Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled Back from the Future Part Two. And since we don't have any news for this week, let's just get right into our episode discussion, uh, talking about the uh, final of the the two parts with Wynn coming back, because now he has gone back to the future uh so (laughs) hence the title of these two parts so here is the official description for part two quote supergirl helps win guest star jeremy jordan face his greatest fear after alex sets out to find evidence against lex guest star john crier brainy must decide between helping his friend or continuing to secretly work for Lex, unquote. Dun, dun, dun. That becomes a thing. We are definitely going to have to talk about the brainy <laughs> situation. Uh, but let's talk about when first, because that was the big part of this episode, is that he goes into this digital space to face uh, who I'm calling the bad win toy man. Like, in my notes, I didn't know how to distinguish between all the toy men because you got og toy man <laughs> you got um the evil toy man who has win's face and then you have good guy win our win who now calls himself toy man so i had to figure <laughs> out another way to describe all these so i'm just calling him bad win toy man uh so uh, you can call him whatever you want but that's how i distinguished rebecca i've got i've got some names okay oh, oh, give me some there's okay there's bad win there's sad win and there's dad win. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. We are I, going. I with know it. that last one doesn't make sense, but I was like, once I got on the roll, I was like, this is this is I'm embracing this. <laughs> but he is uh, he is dad win because he, his name is Winslow Shot too. That's true. And and I have to I have to shout out to Mike who came up with. I was saying we were watching the episode and I was like, computer lad, and and he was like, there's computer lad and computer dad (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad we have solved this issue uh because i was having a hard time with the name so all right so we've got we've got bad win sad win and dad win good to go okay so what did you what did you think about sad win going into the digital space to fight bad win and dad win this is a big win episode because there literally was like every version of win that you could possibly <laughs> win was every woman <laughs> he was like he was like this these are all the sides of me um it was it it was a lot of it was a lot of 
sort of him fighting his his past and the the bad side of him kind of uh, fighting what he could be if he had gone down a different path and sort of followed his father. But I thought it was also, it was really nice that he got that closure with his dad. And it wasn't like, I don't, it wasn't like super overdone closure because it wasn't like his dad was suddenly like, Oh yeah. Like uh, what I really, what I really think is that like, we should all, you know, hold hands and and be nicer to each other. Uh, I've been talking a lot to Lena recently and, (laughs) but, uh, cause he was still, you know, he, he recognized that like Wynn had done things that he was proud of, but he was still kind of a little underhanded. And, uh, and I think that when, when Wynn came out of that, you know, computer therapy session uh that he had he he understood that like he had sort of embraced his dad for like kind of the last time and let his dad help him and trust his dad and then kind of let his dad go kind of like let go of all that shame and guilt he felt around the you know the situation with his with his father and 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 seeing sort of the dark path he could have gone down and i like that the fact that he was like well, now I'm toy, like now I'm toy man. Now, is that going to be confusing to people and maybe a little alarming? Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost definitely. Uh, he's going to come back and he, his wife's going to be like, Hey honey, what's up? And he's like, uh, I go by toy man now. And she's gonna be like, cool. <laughs> Sounds chill. <laughs> well, and cause now I'm confused. Cause now that we're talking about like past and future, so when he goes into the future now, is there going to be a story about how Toy Man tried to take over the <laughs> DEO and the internet, and he's going to go back to the future and say, hey, I'm Toy Man now, and they're all going to be like, yeah, but in the past, Toy Man was a really bad guy who did all these bad things. And so, yeah, I can see where the confusion would be for the people Although, in the I future. Guess, yeah, I guess the flip side of that is that, like, it feels like, there's always a situation in the DEO and like is in the grand scheme of situations in the DEO, is this one even going to merit like a blip in the future? Like that far in the future, are they going to be like, remember that time that toy man briefly took over the DEO? I feel like they're going to probably not, maybe it won't make it that far into the future. Maybe he's like, you know what? We, we, we wrap this up in like a, like a tight two hours. So I feel like everything's going to be fine. The DEO, the DEO never tells the citizens what's going on anyway, so. Well, I think it will be legendary at the DEO with the employees, because this, this episode felt like, to me, the first time when the DEO actually had to do some work. There was that uh, phone conversation <laughs> with Alex and Lex, and Alex was like, wait, are you telling me that you want me to go around and pick up all this stuff? And uh, de-link everything from the internet? You want me and my employees to do it? (laughs) You want me and my employees to de-link our own equipment? It's like, well, yeah, Alex. (laughs) I mean, we can't just use Supergirl, who would make that really easy. Then we we wouldn't have to do all the work. But now we have to go around and physically and manually do this? How dare you make us do it? Like, that was what that phone call felt like to me. So I, I think... 10, 20 years from now, you know, DEO, DEO agents are going to be like, remember that time we had to go get all that junk? 
And we Remember that time we had time? to de-link all of those? <laughs> Remember that one time we had to work at work? <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like alongside the legend of the day that Kara showed up for an entire day <laughs> at work. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was that was my only thought about the the DEO and and how they might remember it because they've they've had several to, uh, toy man uh, flying monkey attacks, so this is nothing new for them. Uh, the DEO has had many uh, a flying monkey attack, but uh, but yeah, I really liked. I think that my favorite part of this episode was the wind stuff, especially when he goes into the digital space to confront his father and to confront bad win uh so i i really enjoyed all of that because i think it did give him some closure and wrap up his time on the show and his story arc which i thought was really really well done actually and i was so surprised that og toy man came back that henry and i think his name is pronounced like Cherney. oh yeah i can never pronounce that name because i remember he was on um I want to say revenge or something. He was, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, and uh, and I never knew how to pronounce his name on that either. <laughs> Can we get? So we've had a lot of the cast from Dallas show up on Supergirl. Can, <laughs> can we get more reven- revenge? What if we get? Yeah, let's get some of the Revengers. I I would be <laughs> I would be in for that. Like, uh, what's uh what's the guy who played Nolan up to? Like, I come on, come on to Supergirl. <laughs> Nolan is such a specific pull, Morgan. <laughs> Like I was gonna go for Madeline. What's her face? What is <laughs> yes. what is what is her name? Oh my god! I'm gonna have it's to go to something. IMDb now. I of course I remember Henry something something his last name, but I don't remember like the second Madeline name character Stowe. Of the show. Madeline right. Stowe, Emily Van Camp. Um. But N- Nolan is very specific. I love that you mentioned Nolan. You, first. you can tell that I was a, a revenge super fan because <laughs> my first pool was Nolan. <laughs> I was like, Nolan, you get on that show, and guess what? You bring with you Judith Light. <laughs> <laughs> if we could have just two people show up who we really wanted to fan cast. <laughs> The guy who played Nolan on Revenge, <laughs> Judith Light. And Judith Light. And America's treasure, <laughs> Judith Light. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, but I uh, I was really pleasantly surprised to see Henry uh, Cherney show back up. Because I thought after season one, he was like, he was gone. Like, I didn't think we would ever get him back. So to see him come back was so exciting for me personally. Because I thought he did such a great job in childish things in season one i loved him as toy man so to see him come back and take a different uh like a different interpretation on the character i thought was really cool especially because it was so conflicting where in the digital space he's like you know what i really haven't changed but in this scenario i think uh you're better than me and you've done some good things and i'm going to help you defeat this bad win because he's kind of making both of us look bad so uh, I, I liked that he admitted that he had not changed. He was still the bad toy man we all kind of knew. But at least he, he had a little different take on the character this time around. So I really enjoyed that. And I liked that they uh, were both deleted. I think that's a, a good way for that story to end. That now toy man is going to be a name that becomes synonymous with heroism in the legion of superheroes and not so much with 
chaos and violence and uh, destruction. So I'm, I'm glad that, that when uh, can make that name become uh, a better, more well-respected name, and, and also that he won't have Computer Lad as his Legion call sign, because that was a pretty terrible uh, name. So I'm glad that he does not have that anymore. It was pretty bad. And I also liked that we got more Wynn backstory in relation to his uh, his dad, Wynn, that uh, he talked about how, like, his... The, the kill code was something he had created because he, you know, he'd studied all this stuff. Um, he mentions Premac's theory of the mind, which I was like, what the heck is that? So I had to look that up. And it's, um, do you want to learn something? Always. I guess I'll just uh, give you the summary. I like went and looked up all this stuff. Um, but in summary, theory of mind refers to the ability to perceive the unique perspective of others and its influence on their behavior. That is, other people have unique thoughts, plans, and points of view that are different than yours. So I guess he would have studied that in order to map out video gameplay to figure out how people would respond to different scenarios. So I thought that was a, co- a, a cool way to, to use something that actually happens in reality with the theory of mind with uh, something related to this story. So I, I thought that that was a, a nice way to bring in something that has really been studied and really been um, researched. So I thought that, that was cool, especially with, um, he talked about the notebook that he had put all this stuff in, uh, when had made all these notes and his father stole the notebook. Like I enjoyed all of that because we got to learn more about when and the situation with his father. And I, I thought that that connected me more to the character when and by the end of the episode i was sad to see him go i really liked having him around these last two episodes i i found myself thinking like it's so nice to have him back um and then of course obviously he had to go back to his own time and i was like oh i'm a little i'm like a little disappointed to see when go i i could have i could have had win stay around for a couple more episodes definitely yeah and and jeremy jordan has been so good in these just these two episodes uh because even the the bad win on the computer uh uh, well i guess on the the wall of monitors there at the deo when he sort of takes over the screen he was hamming it up and i loved every second of it he did such a good job as the bad win so um just kudos all around on his his ability to play those different roles um even though they have the same face he was able to distinguish all of those and i really enjoyed that a lot okay and i guess maybe since we were talking about the deo and in the attack with the flying monkeys and the the ai uh the different versions of ais in this episode because it was all about uh, becoming immortal through the interwebs. Uh, I was a little disappointed we had two AIs in this episode and neither of them were Hope, but I'm going to uh, move <laughs> past that. Um, but since uh, we were talking about the attack on the DEO, because of what happens, uh, Alex decides she's going to step down and she resigns from the DEO as director. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was surprised that she resigned this season. Because a lot of stuff happened last season, and she just really stuck in there. She's like, it's okay. It's like, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's corrupt, but I'm going to just, like, stick on in. And, like, this season, it, Lex Luthor is, like, 
kind of mean to her and she's like you know what that's it <laughs> like last season they're like actively hunting her sister and she's like i gotta stay i gotta stay in the deo i gotta stick it out and this season lex is like i don't like your computer code and she's like that's it that's it. i'm kind of with you I quit, <laughs> um, which I do understand. Like, Lex Luthor's pretty annoying. I think that he could really get under your skin. To be fair, though, to Alex, part of uh, season four, her brain was Swiss cheese. That's true. That's true. She was she was constantly leaving things in the mic, uh, the microwave and blowing <laughs> it up in, in my in my in my own head canon. Like, they were constantly coming around and be like, oh, my God, we need to get a new microwave. Alex put a remote in it. (laughs) (laughs) Why does she keep doing that? And she was like, I don't. Uh, that's not my like my my sandwich <laughs> they were like no no alex your your soup is in your hand and it's cold <laughs> our expensive equipment is what you tried to heat up for lunch <laughs> but uh that is that's a good point she she didn't have her her memories for like a good chunk of last season i did like in this episode though she felt she felt like she was director of the D.O. She was like, squad one, do this. It's funny that you mentioned that because I thought that while watching the episode uh, because I harp on this a lot, which is that it felt like she got this huge promotion to the director of D.E.O. and then the show never did anything with it. Like it was just like, oh, that story is not interesting whatsoever. We're just going to kind of drop it. And so it never felt like she was actually director of the D.E.O. And then in the episode, she quits the D.E.O. was the episode where I was like, look at her being director <laughs> of the D.E.O. I was like, girl, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of where you've come, what you've become. And then at the end of the episode, she's like, oh, I'm out. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got me again, Supergirl. You got me again. <laughs> well, I'm a little disappointed because this is now the second time that the director of the D.E.O. Well, I guess maybe the third time if we count Colonel Haley because I guess she sort of felt like director of the D.E.O. even though she technically wasn't. But this is technically the second time that a director of the D.E.O. has stepped down and they had the perfect <laughs> setup. Oh. For Director Bones, and they did not take it. I was watching the episode, and when <laughs> when Lex tells Brainy that he's the new director of the DEO, I screamed, what about Director Bones? <laughs> like, loudly at the television. Like, what about Director Bones? <laughs> do, do we never get what we want here? The people are crying out for Director Bones. And by the people, I mean the two of us. (laughs) Nobody else cares. Nobody else cares whatsoever. But if I don't get that cyanide sweat on my screen, (laughs) I am flipping out. (laughs) I just don't understand why they refuse to put him. I mean, I realize it would be maybe difficult CGI wise. Unless you tried to go like... Uh, physical makeup which i think would be difficult with just like a bone face so i think (laughs) i think you would almost have to go cgi face for that there might be some budgetary constraints to director bones but here okay here's my pitch though (laughs) okay let's say you want to take it old school you don't you don't have to get the cgi bones uh have you been to a medical school recently Mm. have you seen the 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 (laughs) skeleton in the corner just put a suit on that thing (laughs) put put some strings on it and start walking it around weekend at bernie's leg there you go that's director bones now (laughs) i would take 
a puppet. Yeah. If that's what it took. Just a just a bone puppet in a <laughs> in a sharp suit and then uh and then like somebody doing the voice. I mean, come on people. Where there's a will there's a way. <laughs> and and you don't even you could like put him seated like a puppet seated in a chair in a dark yeah. room with just like a like a cigar lit. You don't even like part of the mystique could be just like him in the dark. You wouldn't even have to see him. Just shadows. Just move the camera yeah. around. Yeah. That that bone. <laughs> <laughs> just the bones in the in the desk. They will make anybody and everybody director of the DEO except for the actual director of the DEO in the comics. Except for the best director the <laughs> DEO has ever seen. Director Bones. Like <laughs> I just, is Brainy going to have a, a picture of a newspaper article about his greatest caper on the wall? And is he going to stare at it longingly <laughs> while smoking a cigar? No, none of those things are going to happen with Brainy. <laughs> They're only going to happen with one director of the DEO, and that is Director Bones. <laughs> I just, he in the comics is the DEO. And I'm just, I'm afraid that we're going to say goodbye to the DEO at some point, and we're never going to... I mean, if we ever... Because it seems like they're setting up the tower to be more of a thing. Like with Jean's yeah, it does. fancy uh, apartment tower headquarters. And I'm like, are we moving away from the DEO? Because if we move away from the DEO and I never get Director Bones... And we just never get Director Bones. This is going to be like Snapper Car not snapping all over again. It's I know. It's going to be worse. It's going to be so much it's gonna, worse. It's going to be worse because we could have had a skeleton man. <laughs> a skeleton man in a fancy suit. And we were denied that. Snapper Carr was just a dude who should have snapped. But Director Bones is so much more. He's so <laughs> much more. And we had so many opportunities. It's not like they didn't have the capability to introduce him. Oh, yeah. He could have tied into the Leviathan thing. Maybe he could have been part of Leviathan. It would be a lot creepier if he had shown up. I mean, I refuse I refuse to give up on Director Bones. It's still possible that he is part of Leviathan. <laughs> I think it's unlikely. But, I mean, he could pop up at any, t any time. I mean, I feel like the at this point, director of the DEO is their defense against the dark arts uh, position. Yes, and and once Brainy uh, flames out, well, I mean, director Bones is always there. <laughs> He's always there for us. I just want them to just acknowledge him in some way. That's that's all I want. Uh, but I guess there's still the multiverse. So maybe in the future. They'll go to another Earth and see the DEO there, and Director Bones will be there. Somewhere, some way, Director Bones exists. <laughs> On some Earth, there is a Director Bones. We just haven't seen it yet. On some perfect Earth, <laughs> Director Bones <laughs> is where he should be. <laughs> so, Brainy is now the director of the DEO. What, what are your thoughts on this, like, relationship he has with Lex Luthor and the partnership they have? Because they've both been teaming up to try to stop Leviathan, which I will point out again, Lex Luthor says in this episode uh, that Leviathan is the greatest threat this planet faces. <laughs> Lex Luthor says, basically says that. And then we like cut to um, uh, pencil skirt and uh, old lady. Old and lady Margot. <laughs> and old lady Margot. You know, what's the, what's the most terrifying name of all time? 
Margot. <laughs> like, oh my God, is it Margot? Is she gonna give me a hard candy? And, uh, <laughs> it's like, what? What is happening? And then they're like, literally, they're like having like a divorcee brunch. <laughs> like, it's not. It's not scary. It's not scary. They're like, oh, should we have another white wine? <laughs> Margot, are we bad? <laughs> like. Come on. <laughs> There's nothing scary about them yet. <laughs> they they did talk about some female character, uh the anointed one, I think is who they referred to. Oh my gosh, I'm crying. Uh <laughs> Yeah, they refer to some female as the anointed one. Yeah, because they, they refer to her, they say something about, like, I think it's the, like, you're right, the anointed one. And then I think our, our girl Margot says, like, she. Yeah. But that, that to me, was perhaps the only uh, somewhat ominous thing about this whole storyline so far. The rest of it is, like... Is uh is pencil skirt yelling at uh, Andrea Rojas about like uh not having her personal feelings interfere with her business relationship so that so that you can so that she can eat in virtual reality? It's like if you can imagine the lamest scary villain of all time it's it's these two <laughs> complaining that they can't have a cupcake in virtual reality it's like if only if only we could uh we could drink this white wine spritzer but in the <laughs> vr <laughs> well i'm i'm kind of intrigued slash confused slash partially bored with the fact that <laughs> I don't know how I can be intrigued and bored at the same time, but it's happening. Um, so Lex is trying to move in on Leviathan because he thinks Leviathan is the greatest threat of all time. And he's trying to make friends with Pencil Skirt. And Pencil Skirt's over there with old lady Margot saying, we've got Luther Corp where we want him. So I'm, I'm intrigued, I guess, in the sense that I, I want to see how this how the confrontation happens but i'm also like i don't know what's happening here the intriguing thing to me is the idea of like kind of what we had last season which i'm not saying uh that storyline was intriguing last season but the idea that the you know the bad guy that you thought was the bad guy was actually having his strings pulled by somebody else so i think we we might see that like lex thinks that he's double crossing leviathan but like really like Margot is like off in the corner like laughing and you know knitting a a blanket <laughs> for her niece or something uh but I, I think that we're gonna find out that like lex is n maybe not as um equipped to handle them as he thinks like he thinks he's got it in hand and really they're playing him which i that is that's interesting to me the rest of it i have no idea what's going on like i guess um we were right in our last podcast or the podcast before where we were saying that like Rama Khan's Rama Wines is really good. Is really, I'm like, all of this is probably being done so that you could actually, in the VR, uh, enjoy Rama Khan's Rama Wines. And then you can you can buy it in the VR, kind of like, you know, when you're playing Candy Crush and you want to play another level, but you got locked out. 
It's an in-app. The Ramacons Rama Wines is now an in-app purchase <laughs> in the VR. And uh, I mean, it's useless if you can't enjoy the earthy muskiness of <laughs> of of the grapes or whatever. I don't know. It's just such a weird. It's such a weird. And my other thing, which I went on, I had to pause the episode to go on like a five-minute rant about it, which Mike enjoyed i think uh was that i was like of all the people like so andrea rojas is like trying trying this whole thing out and she like goes into shock and all this and of course she has the one person there who can help her the psychiatrist (laughs) like what what are kelly's credentials why is kelly like the only one who seems to be involved in any of these tests they're like it's. I was very confused. I was like, "Why is Kelly? Uh, what? Uh, what gives Kelly the, you know, the the knowledge of like how to do all this high tech skills?" She's like, "Beep beep boop" on like a little tablet or something. I was like, "What are you typing?" <laughs> yeah, I I guess I can understand the psychology uh, psychology aspect of um, like coming out of the VR and coming back into the real world. Like if there's some sort of uh discrepancy or like with your mind or whatever trying to readapt to the real world but yeah you're right i mean if if kelly is back there like trying to technically uh to to you know fix whatever this is she, i i don't buy that she has the capability <laughs> to change the technology having a like somebody with a psychiatry background involved with VR makes sense because it's your brain. And uh, I mean, she's not a neuroscientist or anything, but it does make sense to have her around. But it's also I think it's what it's coming up against is the fact that like Kelly has been basically a non-entity for like a, a decent chunk of the season. Uh, like she had that whole storyline with Alex where she was upset that Alex was like in the line of danger, which is not really tying into like her job at, at the, at the company or like any of this VR stuff. So when you just see, it's just like Kelly, like, like working on a tablet, hitting some buttons, you're like, what are you? What, how are you involved in any of this? Like, what is your role here? It doesn't seem like they know what to do with Kelly. I don't even think that Kelly's had, like, more than, like, three lines post-crisis. So I don't even know, like, what is what does she know? What doesn't she know? And that is the least interesting thing that they could be doing with Kelly right now. They introduced the fact that she has the Guardian Shield and have yes. not gone back to it at all. That I want to know if she's guardianing it up. Like, does she actively carry the guardian shield with her where she, wherever she goes? I, I'm more interested in that than I am with her carrying that tablet around. It's very strange. It's like they dropped this big thing that could be interesting about Kelly, and then they did not follow up on it in any way. <laughs> Yeah, so I I hope that Kelly becomes more important as we go along with this storyline. I'm just, I'm kind of underwhelmed by the whole Leviathan thing because I don't know if you've been catching up with The Flash. I haven't. I'm still so, so behind on The Flash. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm always like a week or two behind The Flash, but there was one episode this season 
where Iris, uh, hopefully this is not a big spoiler point for people who haven't, if you haven't caught up with The Flash this season, skip ahead like a minute. Um, but there's an episode where Iris is investigating uh, some some shady under underground stuff. She's trying to va- figure out who is behind some crimes that have been happening. And it just, it felt more like what the Leviathan storyline should have been on Supergirl, where you know there's a big bad threat out there and they're doing some bad things, but somebody has to go and investigate and get all the clues to figure out who it is. Like they don't know who it is, but they know some th- bad things have been happening. That, to me, was more Leviathan-esque than what's been happening on Supergirl because we already know who Leviathan is. We don't know who the anointed one is. Cross your fingers, this Talia al Ghul, but I have a feeling it's not. It's going to be somebody, and we're going to be like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's gonna, I have a feeling the anointed one. I'm, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Um, but, but the problem with the Leviathan thing for me is that a, they're not scary. They've done nothing but try to uh, make a lot of money with some VR tech. That's not scary to me. Um, and then also we know who they are. We we know who all the players are. It's not a mystery. So I, I have a lot of problems with that. And so I'm hoping that maybe sometime down the line, Kelly will start to become more important. Uh, what Lex is doing with this Gemma character hopefully will become more important um but then lena is also kind of there with andrea and i don't understand really so much about that because they mentioned in the episode that lena sabotaged uh sabotaged obsidian's tech for the good of humanity is does she think that leviathan is connected to obsidian and so she sabotage what they were doing because she's afraid of leviathan like all of this stuff is so it doesn't feel connected and it feels very thin so i I, i'm having i'm still struggling with leviathan i'm hoping this is building somewhere to where like it eventually will become like a real threat because they've really been building leviathan up to be the worst terrible threat that supergirl has ever faced so i hope i hope they deliver if you think about it too like brainy is kind is not kind of is going behind all of his friends back to work with lex to protect them against leviathan the greatest threat we've ever known but like i just feel like they they really haven't built up Leviathan to seem all that scary yet. And I think that there's, I get what they're going for. I just don't think that they're executing it in a way that is as threatening or interesting as they think it is. Like, I get that they're going for, like, this shadowy organization that, like, you know, you don't really know their motives. You don't know what they're, like, what they're trying for. But I don't know. It's just not that, it, it's not grabbing me yet, I think, is is the problem. And so much of the season really relies on you being afraid of Leviathan. Uh, so the rest of it kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, Jim is supposed to be this sort of uh, 
threatening character in Leviathan, but they made her sound so awesome in this episode. They were like, yeah, she's a board chair. She's a renowned computer scientist. She's got excellent taste in wine, horses, and business opportunities. <laughs> and and you know you know if she's got good taste in horses, Lex Luthor. <laughs> Lex wants to go horseback riding with her. I think he wants to be her friend so that because Lena's not going to go horseback riding with him. <laughs> Lex is like, finally, someone to go horseback riding with me. <laughs> Let's see you leave me behind for your horses. <laughs> Meanwhile, somewhere William is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did someone say horse? Did someone um, say horse? <laughs> And and she's like, apparently she was Andrea's mentor in college, so it sounds like she's been investing in the next generation, you know, and doing yeah. some good deeds. So I'm like, Gemma sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can I complain about another thing yeah. uh, <laughs> while I'm going, while I'm on a roll uh, down this hill of complaints? <laughs> is that is that I'm I'm super annoyed about the Andrea stuff because. If they knew they were going to reset her backstory post-crisis, why did we spend an entire episode learning her backstory pre-crisis? It's just, to me, it's it's such a strange choice to be like, here, we're going to get, we want you to get to know this character. It's like, cool. I like that the character intersects with Lena, a person I actually care a lot about. <laughs> um, and I like that we get to see young Lena. And I like that we get to see Lena in the jungle. Mm. And uh, all different shades of Lena, really. The petty shades, <laughs> the jungle shades. Um, but, uh, like, I liked that stuff. And I liked that episode, generally. It made me care about that character. Um and then post-crisis, uh, her whole backstory is different. So now we know that she's had, like, Gemma as her mentor. We know that she didn't get involved with Leviathan because of Russell. Uh, or, well, I guess she got involved with Leviathan because of her father, presumably. But, like, Russell wasn't part of her backstory because... He was presumably killed by the Luth like by Alex Luther, right. maybe. And so it's it throws everything off that we had learned about this character, which for a well established character, like one of our mains, wouldn't be that big of a deal because we would have spent like seasons with them. And it's like, oh gosh, their their whole thing is different now, but we like understand who they are as a character. But for this character, we've only known her for a half of season. We had an entire episode dedicated to her backstory that they must have known they were planning on changing like two episodes in the future. It just it's so strange. I'm never gonna get get over the fact that they like spent an entire episode on her backstory and then changed it. Do we know if the rift between Andrea and Lena on Earth Prime is still over that necklace? We don't. I don't think we do. I don't think we do. Did they mention anything? Was it like, sorry, I took your medallion? <laughs> I just assumed it was, but I don't think they've ever said specifically. I mean, I would assume that that part was similar, but we, I don't, I don't know. They just keep talking about how they, it's now like old times and that there was something bad in their past. Like it could be over something else now. I mean, I assume that it's the, that it's the necklace and presumably some of her backstories is similar. Like her, their backstory with her father is maybe similar, although maybe not. Like I don't. Yeah, we. I mean, they haven't said one way or the other. 
they mention her father finally in this episode, but it's just something about like the company that your father built. And it was like, okay, is it the same backstory that we got the last time? Or is it a whole new backstory now? It just, I don't know. It just, it's very strange to introduce this new character, set her up and then immediately like hard reset her. Yeah. And we, we just, we still don't know if she ever became a Krata. We don't know if, no. if she yeah, has does she have medallion powers? powers. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't know. So, because the Acro- the Akrata thing was tied into Leviathan. So, I don't even know if Andrea, does she even know about Leviathan? Is she even tied in with Leviathan? I don't know. Because I assume that she connected with Gemma over her, her, her college mentorship. <laughs> their their mentor mentee relationship that they had while they were in college. Has she been working with Leviathan or has uh has pencil skirt <laughs> just been uh just been like basically mentoring her into doing what like Leviathan wants without her knowing that it's specifically for Leviathan. I don't know. There I I have so many questions about Leviathan and they're not answering any of them really. Um, so maybe now that they've dropped this anointed one, maybe eventually it will start to get scary is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this anointed one person and and the anointed one can't be Director Bones, I guess, uh, <laughs> because, uh, because uh, Director Bones has always been a dude. But I don't know. Maybe that maybe this could be Lady Director Bones. Um, yeah, I, I maybe ha- I haven't quite given up hope on that yet, but I'm hoping that whoever this anointed one is m- starts to make the threat a little more real and more intense. So I just hope for Leviathan's sake, they really deliver on this big threat. So I guess since we've talked a little bit about how like William's backstory has changed and how Kara's new life here is a little different, I guess we could talk about the Kara William uh, stuff that happened in this episode because there was the 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 wind stuff and then there was the DEO stuff, but then there was also Kara trying to figure out how she could potentially start a new relationship if she wanted to and. Uh, things don't quite work out. So what did you think about what happened with Cara and William in this week's episode? Uh, I'm still not into it. I'm still not feeling it. Unless it turns out that he's Comet the Super Horse. Uh, that would be a twist that would get me behind this couple immediately. It was, it was not, uh, it was not rejected by the episode. They 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 didn't say it. He wasn't Comet. So it could still be the case. Cara was thinking about going uh, on a date with him, and then she said nay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't, it's not working for me. It's not working for me so far. Um, I think it also, I, I, I guess I can see her her liking him. It, it's happened very fast. I don't know that I think that, two of them have a, a lot of chemistry at this point. I don't think that they have much at all. I don't know. I just, I want more from these relationships that they keep shoving Supergirl into like, I don't know, some, some tension or something. It just seems like anytime Kara has an interaction with a, a, a man who's like new on the show, I'm like, 
Oh boy, that's her new love interest, isn't it? And it doesn't matter if there's any like organic buildup to it. It's just like, oh, I guess this is going to happen. Um, I, I did, I did at least like that she is like at started having to deal with the fact that he wouldn't know her secret because I feel like every other relationship that she's been in, um, going back to season one has been with somebody who's known her secret. Like James knew her secret and, um, when knew, and they sort of played around with the idea of car and when. Yeah. And, and obviously Monel knew from the jump because he was in that ship. Uh, one of the uh, yearly ships that showed up. <laughs> the, the, the pods. <laughs> the, the yearly pods. Uh, so he knew who she was. And so this this seems like the first opportunity where she has where it's somebody who doesn't know her secret. And so she would con- she'd be starting this relationship on a lie, like knowing that she'd be lying to him. And she's already seen a, a pretty clear picture of what happens when you lie to somebody for a long time. And then, and then I don't know, their homicidal brother tells them <laughs> right as they shoot them that you've been lying. They, they decide to make their own robot friend and make the world nicer through force. It did not take it well. Doesn't take it well. So I think the the idea to me that she's learned something from the Lena situation. I I do appreciate that. I think it's 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 good, uh, and I think it, it is good. It's a good storytelling avenue. It it doesn't feel forced like these things often do where it's like I like this person but we cannot be together it's like it's a pretty reasonable reaction to be like huh the last person I didn't tell the secret to is still really mad at me in like a way that makes me think that she might try to murder me Uh, (laughs) so maybe I need to figure out how this is supposed to like how I would go about being in this relationship and I liked the you know that he got her grandma her non-existent grandma a puzzle because he's like oh i'm so sorry your grandma's sick and she had to like look at that puzzle and be like oh my god this is going to be what it's going to be like i'm gonna have to like lie to him constantly and make up sick grandmas and give them puzzles (laughs) so i know you are not really into this but i have started to i i think i'm the person on the podcast who's like i'm gonna give these uh weird relationships a chance like (laughs) I was I was pretty into James and Lena, uh, you know. So I have I, I'm kind of more open minded about uh, the like trying to see it develop. Although I will agree, I think some of this should have started earlier and more over time. The fact that this has happened so quickly is a downfall. But there there are little glimpses of William that I think really have endeared me to him, and one of them is the grand grand puzzle. Because, you know, I, I thought he was really thoughtful about, you know, if she does have this sick grandmother, I want to do something nice for her. And I, that that won some points with me over that. If somebody's going to treat Kara well and treat her fake grandmother well, <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to get behind this guy no matter if he, he does turn into a horse or not. No no matter if the comet theory is, is incorrect, which obviously I, I've put my whole heart and soul into <laughs> at this point. I mean that's that's just icing on the cake if that happens but I I did really like that he he did something really nice for her 
he straight up asked her out. He didn't play around with it. He was just like, I like you. Would you want to go on a date with me? I thought that was great. I liked that he was game to do something that she was into, like karaoke and uh, sing a song and make a fool out of himself with her. Like I, all of that stuff I thought was great. And that, that won some major points with me. The thing that I was bummed about, and I, I'm bummed about it on Kara's behalf, but I'm also kind of glad that it happened on my behalf because, okay, let me try to explain this. So I'm bummed that Kara is put in this situation by when, not by herself. She did not make up that lie about her grandmother. <laughs> that was when starting her relationship with William on a lie. So I hated it for Kara that she had no control over that. She, that was not something she initiated. He's the one, when said, uh, your, your dear old, old grandmother, because he was trying to cover things up for her. So when was actually the one who started her relationship with William on a lie. Uh, so that really bummed me out that Kara had no control over that. And she had to just go along with it. Once it's out there, it's out there. And she can't just backtrack it. Um, although she could have, I guess, she could have said, William, uh, that whole grandmother thing was a lie. I'm sorry. She could have come clean about that right then and there, and she didn't. Yeah, it's true. Um, but uh, the thing that I was excited about with all of that, so the thing uh, that really uh, got me into the episode was the fact that Kara feeling hurt made me care about her character i think this since the premiere i think the premiere i think was the last time that i really felt for Kara. that scene where she's coming clean to lena i was like oh this is really pulling me into Kara. like this is making me want to care about Kara. it's but that has been a lot of episode <laughs> a lot of season since that happened so i was glad that i at least even though I was sad for Kara, that made me care about Kara. And so I'm glad that for me as an audience member that this this is pulling me into Kara's character and what she's going through this season. And that I was glad to see because for a lot of episodes, I've just been like, ugh, Kara's had nothing to do. She's She hadn't really, but she doesn't ha really have a story. She's not really doing anything. Sometimes she's not even around. <laughs> so I, I was glad at least for that, that there's something uh, meaty I can get out of Kara's character, even though I was upset on her behalf that she has no choice in this matter. Poor Kara. Just, just, she just wanted to go on a date with the possible horseman <laughs> who she sang karaoke with. Like, it's <laughs> just let her have a nice thing. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to just let her have a nice thing. So, uh, overall thoughts, Morgan, what did you think about the conclusion to the uh, bad win, sad win, dad win story? <laughs> uh, I loved all of the wins in, in <laughs> all of their many flavors and, <laughs> and, and feelings. Uh, <laughs> I thought that the it was so good to see Win back again. It was a weird situation where before he showed up on the show, uh, if you would ask me, like, do you miss Win? I would have been like, no, not really. <laughs> but as soon as he showed back up, I was like, you know what? I do miss Wynn. I do miss you. Uh, and so I was sad to see him go again. Like, he is welcome back in my book. I'm welcoming him, personally welcoming him back to the show anytime he wants to come back. Because I think that he does bring something to the show that's that's just really enjoyable to watch. And I think that uh, the way that they 
if this is the last time that we see Win, I think it's a really nice wrap up for his character. I think he got to like contribute to the team. He got to sort of face down his own demons and like reclaim that Toy Man title and and go home to the future uh having sort of settled stuff about his past. So I think that that was I liked all of that stuff. Um, the, the rest of it was a little bit, maybe more hit or miss for me. I thought that the, the brainy stuff, I'm still not like, it's still hard for me to, to gauge where, how I feel about the brainy Lex stuff. Just, I guess, because it sort of ties into the Leviathan stuff, which I don't really, don't really understand yet. Um, and uh, Lena was kind of a, a non-entity in this one. Alex randomly quitting the DEO <laughs> and then not uh, us not getting director bones made me cranky. Uh, although, I mean, honestly, if this somehow gives Alex, like, even one storyline for this season, I will be thankful. Because she has done, I think she has done almost nothing this whole season. Which is, like, as a big... Kara and Alex fan as somebody who thinks that they are together the heart of the show it's hard to see Alex sort of fade into the background this season and not be a not feel like that major of a character so I'm hoping that like now that she's out of the DEO they'll have to do something different with her character which will make them focus on her character I mean I liked that uh Kara and Alex couch scene at the end of the episode it felt very like Danvers sister you know 1.0 back in the beginning of the show when they had a lot of those scenes together so that stuff I liked um and I think might have some some potential moving forward yeah I'm I'm in agreement I think the the wind stuff was the strongest part of this episode uh I'm I'm a little intrigued with the brainy leg stuff just because I want to know where this is going. This must be going somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, but so I'm hoping that that stuff ties into Leviathan and we get more information uh, because it is a little bit of a weak part of the season, in my opinion. So I'm hoping that it gets stronger. Um, I actually really liked the Cara Williams stuff in this uh, episode. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry that Kara felt like she had to let him down easily, uh, but that's a good storyline for her that she, you know, Kara has to deal with what, what do I do about my secret identity if I want to get close to somebody? So I like that she's sort of having to struggle with that this season. So there's some, uh, good, really good, strong stuff in this episode and some of the other stuff I was like, mm, I'm still waiting to see on you, Leviathan, uh, because I'm not quite there with you just yet. Uh, so we'll see uh, what continues to develop there. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. Uh, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Back from the Future Part 2. At Supercorp Lover uh, said, Sorry, William, I don't feel that way about you. I'm so happy that Kara said that. I'm crying tears of joy. All of this was in all caps. <laughs> so clearly, very happy. Lots of tears of joy. <laughs> um, at Vetty A said, loved Supergirl's thunderclap move and fighting back to back with Alex. Jeremy was great as both characters. Disappointed he didn't sing at karaoke. Curious if Lex is playing Leviathan or if it's the other way around. What are the chances that the anointed one is Lena's birth mom? Ooh, wah, I like wah, that. Wah. I 
I really like that. That would be um, that would be a wild uh, a, a wild twist that I would suddenly be very on board the Leviathan stuff with. Would Lena? Uh, would Katie McGrath get to play her mom since she sort of played her in a flashback? Yes, with a wig. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what if her mom shows up? What if her mom's like, hey? I have my own robot friend. (laughs) (laughs) This is Hope (laughs) 1.0. That would be even better. At Luthfer said, I was pleasantly surprised after weeks of fandom turmoil and anxiety surrounding yet another potentially rushed relationship. We got a strong episode with some very nice emotional arcs for Wynn, Alex, and Kara. Very intrigued to see what director docs will lead us or where director docs will lead us. Um, at DJ Ritter said, one of oh, the best episodes... Uh, DJ Ritter, I think. I do this every time. At DJ Ritter said, one of the best episodes of the season. Great plot movement, friend moments with Cara Wynn and the Danvers sisters doing what they do best. Working together, kicking ass, and taking names. Topped off by a nice, uh, a nice couch scene. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, I'm really happy that Cara said no to William. I couldn't take another lames. Where was Nia? Uh, where was Nia? I feel like she barely gets anything to do. And Kelly had one line in the entire episode. Uh, Lena's plan of putting non Nacheri on and Andrea's tech is really smart. She also looked great in this episode. So, uh, lots of things in this tweet. Um, so, Nia was absent, and I noticed that uh, Wynn used his uh, dream powers from the future. So I guess Nia wasn't really needed because you had another character who had her abilities. Um, So now (laughs) that he's gone, I guess Nia can uh, fill in that gap once again. Um, Yeah, and I guess Lena is going to be using... Uh, she, she talked in the episode, we didn't really discuss, uh, Lena's stuff with Lex as much, but she does tell Lex that she needs a distribution device for non-Nocheri, so I guess she is going to try to use the lenses and the VR tech as a way to implement and distribute non-Nocheri. Is that kind of how you think this is going to go? Yeah, that's how it seemed like to me, that that's what they were going to, that's, that's what they were going to do use the uh the the lenses to kind of get get it out there would she have to would lena have to uh and maybe this is more of an obsidian prime thing would she have to put that in the you know the um the the acknowledgments thing you have to click on the i agree (laughs) is she gonna put that in little uh little tiny font there in that acknowledgement that would be that would be amazing if it's like oh no we all agreed to it there was something that i watched and like now i am going to completely blank but it was that was the joke was that everybody had agreed to like give up their soul or something because it was oh i think it was in the legends of tomorrow Uh, the from like last season or the season before, where they all agreed to uh, to give up their souls because they had downloaded an app and it was in like this the, the small print that nobody reads. You just say accept, acknowledge, exactly, exactly. And it, but it's so true. It's so true. anything could be in there. I I would just like I I always just like click yes because I don't I'm not reading all that. So maybe that's a 
very in very small font lean is like you will now be nice because i told you to be <laughs> not not cherry <laughs> because i'm taking away your free will except <laughs> you you give up your free will and uh and agree to be a very nice person uh because i uh had it falling out with my best friend uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and so also since uh, patty mallow 20 uh says that uh lena looked great in this episode uh, I think we should do a uh, boardroom or ballroom. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I want to start uh, with Andrea Rojas's outfit <laughs> in this episode because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. Uh, you have thankfully and helpfully included a screen cap in in our Google document that shows Andrea's like uh, lying down in the in the obsidian tech headquarters when she's you know testing out her her, uh, her trying to get her eat, eat that lobster yeah eat that in app lobster <laughs> and uh, and freaking out about it she is in a full sequence jumpsuit. Now, I before I'll be honest, did I I, I accepted that her, she and Lena were friends, <laughs> but did I understand the, the basis of their friendship? Not really. But now I do because I cannot imagine in any scenario in which you decide to walk into work in a full sequence jumpsuit <laughs> like she I don't know where you would wear this thing to, but I don't think, I don't think it's to work. Mm. I don't think it's like, listen, I'm going to go play some <laughs> virtual reality. So I need, I need something that's going to be scratchy all the way down from my head <laughs> to my toes. I, I need, I need to protect myself so that if anybody comes near me, I'm just going to leave little, little glitter marks all <laughs> over them. Like, do you, is it? Is it sequence or is it glitter? Like, that's, I guess, my... It's got to be sequence, right? I, because I think glitter, so. It's even more aggressive. <laughs> because if it's glitter, she's literally walking around the office just leaving a trail in her wake. That's a good question, though. Does she leave... If it is glitter, does she leave glitter in the VR world? Oh, that is a good question. Maybe, maybe that's why she wore this specific outfit she's like i'm leaving myself a trail to (laughs) back to the real world (laughs) i'm just going to pluck a single sequence (laughs) off of my outfit and leave myself a little trail i mean it's just the weirdest it's the weirdest thing when i first saw it i was like is she wearing like a sequence top at work? And then, and then later I was like, no, why are, why are her pants so shiny? (laughs) (laughs) And now I understand the basis of her friendship with Lena. Like they probably just, they, they probably showed up in matching sequence jumpsuits, (laughs) like when they were going into the jungle and were told they had to change. Like, They were like, what? I don't understand. Uh, we we can use this to make a trail. <laughs> I will say, though, in this scene, Kelly looks great. Kelly does look great. Very, very professional. Yeah. I like I like the skirt, the skirt shirt combo. It's like a, a nice color combo. She's got like kind of a maroon top and a, and a nice navy blue bottom. Like, uh, Kelly's crushing it. Kelly seems as confused by what's happening on the table as I am. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so Andrea's uh, outfit doesn't seem quite appropriate. Maybe she wore it because in the VR, she's at this really nice like lobster dinner. So maybe she dressed up specifically <laughs> to go for a ballroom dinner. One would think that the, the benefits of VR is that you could wear whatever you wanted in there. Yeah. Maybe that could be some more in-app purchases. She's like... <laughs> I want to I want to dress in a in a giant sequin ball gown. Here's a here's 25 Bitcoin for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. If I'm going to be in a VR scenario, I might just go like Argo City Comfort. Or on the flip side, do you wear the most uncomfortable thing possible? Do you wear the full body glitter suit? Uh, the full body sequence suit because like you can't you probably can't really feel it right you're in the well, vr so you i know can't, like like i look great and the 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 sequence aren't scratching my skin off but but if you can still be allergic to lobster in the vr <laughs> yeah, are you still point. are you still going to like wear heels and like have your feet hurt afterwards that's a good that's a good point i think we need more more insight onto the discomfort level of the (laughs) vr like she wakes up and she's like i was really allergic to that lobster and also god this jumpsuit is scratchy (laughs) (laughs) i thought it wouldn't be in the vr okay so uh so uh, lena I, i thought lena's stuff was very appropriate she had you know Typical Lena Luther sort of, you know, clothes on this. And she, her clothes were not as noticeable. And I was a little disappointed that she didn't have any real striking. She was, it seemed like it was very downplayed with Lena. Yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of really sensible blazers. Yeah. She, she seemed to be appropriate for the things. I, I mean, she was in the lab a little bit. She didn't have any kind of lab coats or anything. But <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, why would you? Uh, so, but the the more notable uh, wardrobe in this week's episode was the Andrea Rojas sequin jumpsuit, and then Cara Danvers's uh, red dress that she wears when she goes to approach William at Catcoat. Did you have any thoughts uh, about that dress? This has been one of my favorite outfits of the season. I think this is like this thing is so cute. It's almost gray sweater worthy. Almost, uh, yeah. Almost off the shoulder gray. I mean, it's it doesn't have that same cozy game night vibe, but it's <laughs> so, it's such a cute dress. Like I I really like the uh, the red color is really pretty on on her, and like the the different detailing up at the top, sort of it's kind of like a crocheted like lace detailing. Uh, it's are those so hearts? Are they hearts? They on might the dress? be hearts. I think they are hearts. Now I'm I'm gonna zoom in. Zooming Zoom enhance. They do look like hearts, actually. When you get up close to the top of the uh, to the top of the the dress, it looks like hearts, which would be very uh, very thematically appropriate for uh, an episode close to Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So she was she was she was ready. She was ready for romance. <laughs> and and that's another thing that bumps me out about Kara. And I, to to the people who say, well, she rejected William, that's technically true. But I think Kara approached him wanting to pursue something. And that's why it bumps me out. She's not going to get fancy and dressed up for no reason. Like, this is a really nice dress. She's not going to wear her little, her little heart outfit for nothing. She looks super cute. And she looked like she wanted 
to maybe go on that date with William. And so this is someone who is wanting to go out for dinner and go out on a date uh, and maybe find out if this guy is a, is a horse in disguise. This, <laughs> this is somebody who wants to pursue that relationship. So I think the dress is really cute and it's it looks really great on Melissa and slash Kara. And so that's part of why I'm like super bummed about what happened with Williams because she seemed to be really, you know, wanting to make something happen. So I think that was an appropriate use of that dress. So I'm now on WornOnTV.net oh, trying to see our if I can website. find see see if I can find this this uh, this dress, but I am not being able to find it. It's not up there. Is so there I'm anything putting from this episode. There, it doesn't. I don't know that there appears to be. There might be like this like a sweater that she was wearing. Uh, this the sweater that Kara was wearing at the end of the episode is on there, which uh, didn't really register with me. And then uh, Lena's black floral blouse is on there, uh, but unfortunately, the glitter jumpsuit not available. <laughs> the uh, the red the, the red uh, the red dress is not up there. So I'm putting a call out if you if you happen upon your stumbles on the internet to to see where that red dress is, just just maybe. Alert us. Alert Supergirl Radio. We need to know for um, for the podcast. Research really, for the purposes. podcasting that we do. Research mm-hmm. not not to maybe see if it's uh, if affordable. it's available to purchase and affordable and not a thousand dollars like most of Cars Wardrobe is inexplicably. <laughs> now that I'm getting a better look at Lena's wardrobe, I'm not crazy about the this wardrobe ballroom has been. An extensive use of time here on the podcast. Really spiraled out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now realizing we've we've gone on a a while about the clothing in this episode, but Lena's Lena's floral blouse I'm not as crazy about. I like the vest. I like the purple vest. Very character correct for a Luther, and it looks good on her. But I just I don't understand the choice. But Lena wears a lot of floral uh, outfits and patterns. And I don't understand why that is. I have to say, I have to represent as somebody who lo- who loves a good floral. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also don't understand. Like she's like, I'm angry, but I love flowers. Like I mean, for a, a poison ivy character, I get it. But for Lena Luther, I just I don't know why that is. I I don't know. I can't tie that into her character. Yeah, no she she loves to uh she loves to mix her. Her 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 science with with she's like a nice soft floral, just like really <laughs> off the like I'm gonna I might science murder a guy, but I'm gonna be wearing just just like a, a grandma wallpaper <laughs> dress, <laughs> just kind of just kind of soften me up. <laughs> I mean, is it because she's stuck in the lab all day? She doesn't go get to go outside and enjoy nature, so she's trying to channel that that need and that desire to uh, go explore in her wardrobe is she is is it tying back to the fact that she went out in the jungle that one time with Andrea like what <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand the the nature tie because she's I mean she's been doing floral for a couple seasons now oh yeah yeah she's been uh she's been rocking those florals in the labs for maybe it's like a like a contrast thing like here she is in this like white like sterile lab with her with her soft science florals and she's like this is this is me <laughs> just, just bring a little little lena luther realness 
to this to this sterile lab environment. <laughs> well, I think that I think we have given more thought to Lena's <laughs> wardrobe than maybe others might. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with that for now. I feel like we have maybe given more thought to Lena's wardrobe than anyone in the history. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, world. And this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom so our next tweet is from chase aphrodite who says can we kill lex mm. uh we've got a better luther already to the super friends brainy and win can escape their evil families reps but lena was always a luther and everything she did was kind of shady <laughs> uh another mixy episode close to valentine's day where have i seen this before uh at kaya underscore matsui said i'm over Lex. I love John Cryer. He is the best live action version of the character in my opinion, but Lex does doesn't uh but Lex doesn't fit the show anymore. He's ruining Lena's storyline and taking all the screen time. I just want it to be over. Thank Rao that Kara said no to William. This is not what we need now. Uh I don't know. I still I, I guess I'm going to be the dissenting voice here and say I still I still love John Cryer. I'm still I'm still feeling Ducky Lex Luthor. He could he can be in all the episodes. I don't care. I still like his character. And I also like that they're sort of playing with how he's been kind of a good brother. Yeah, I, I do. I do like that. Like when he brought her the coffee and uh, and told her that he was like helping her out. And I also love like the the little comedic beats between the two of them. Like when when he leaves and she looks at the coffee like is this thing poisoned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a nice <laughs> so touch. Good. Yeah, like, I just think that they have such a subtle, like, a, a fun back and forth dynamic with the two of each other and just, like, subtle, like, dark humor moments that I really enjoy. I do think that the criticism is fair that he's sort of overtaking what could be a Lena storyline. I agree. Yeah, that's true. I think it would be more interesting to me if Lena was involved with Leviathan. Um, so I, I think that's a fair and valid point. At Kagan Meyer said, at first I was thrown off by Alex quitting the DEO. And then I remembered one of your podcast episodes talking about how she has nowhere to go anymore since she's the director. Alex being the leader at the tower seems like a great opportunity to explore new plots and character growth. Um, at picks by Katie Mc. McGee said, perhaps I worry too much about the details, but I'd like the show to explain how the tower is financed. What will Alex's salary be? Can Jean match the salary she had as director of the DEO? How will they do anything if they have no authority to even make an arrest? Uh, I have questions about, you know, her, her, dental, her 401k. Yeah, her benefits, like, yeah. Her, like, what are her benefits there? John, what if John was like, I'm going to pay you, and then he just hands her just like a stack of Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> I would still take it. Me too. Um, <laughs> that'd be something. That'd be some explanation. <laughs> uh, at SL Fricky said, what happened to Brainy's Legion ring? Shouldn't its shield have made dodging the Lexo suit blasts unnecessary? Uh, next episode better end with Mixie saying, you don't have feelings for William, William, but what if he was a horse? And then zap, instant comment. <gasps> That's true. Mixie could make that happen for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think about that. And now I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's some valid points about the Legion ring uh, that it has the capability to fly you around if you really want to. So 
yeah, good questions. Uh, well, we received an email from Chris who writes, quote, I have a conspiracy theory on why the Jeremiah Danvers storyline was dropped. Supergirl has always been pretty ham-fisted when it comes to liberal politics. Cat Grant was always bashing Republicans. The alien storyline that paralleled the Mexican border news. Uh, President Baker as a pastiche, which is a new word that I did not know. Thank you for teaching me a new word, Chris, of President Trump. Uh, I signed into Facebook and clicked on, clicked on old videos I posted during the 2016 election, and there was a video with Dean Cain supporting President-elect Trump and his campaign for President of the United States. Do you think ultra-liberal ultra writers took a hard left turn on the storyline of card-carrying Republican, unquote? Uh, so not to get too topical here on Supergirl Radio, but I have wondered this myself. I don't know if we had uh, addressed this before on the podcast, Morgan, um, I'm sure I was trying to remember if we had talked about this at some point, but I, I have personally wondered if maybe Dean Cain's personal politics have made him get pushed to the side and pushed into the woods away, far away. I hope that's not the case because I mean, you should, I mean, as a storyteller, I would, would, would I would want to put story and character before my personal feelings. It's possible. Although, I mean, I will say When's the last time we've seen Eliza either? I mean, it's true. They've they've basically forgotten they had or have parents at this point. I feel like it's a uh, it's kind of I mean, we do we've done a couple of these episodes where it's like the forgotten storylines of of Supergirl. So there is certainly the uh, the possibility that the writers or producers just, you know, didn't want him on for political reasons or because they don't agree with him. But it's also in this world, in this big world of Supergirl, it's possible that they just dropped that storyline as they have dropped so, so many storylines in the past. And that seems more in line with the MO of the show. It it's, It certainly does. <laughs> Oh, they've dropped so many things. <laughs> um, so after our review of the bottle episode, Christy wrote in to respond to our question about Lena Luther's methohexital hangover and explain that mexohexital is a barbiturate used to put people to sleep before surgery or medical procedures. Some side effects are itchiness, hiccups, muscle twitching, chills, nausea, and stomach pain. So none of that sounds good. No, and I don't think we talked about that in our episode on the bottle episode. Uh, so it makes me wonder why she would have needed that. Yeah, that's so that's a little weird. So did Lena have surgery? Now I'm trying to remember the context of that. Was that after she woke up from crisis, right? Crisis. So did like did Lex just drug her with a barbiturate should i guess my bigger question is should should lena go to the doctor and make sure she has all her organs yes that's <laughs> that's the question i think that uh some but that's another thing where the show like puts something in there and then they never follow up on something which seems like a big deal yeah and it's also it's such a strange one to be like oh it's such a specific drug that they're referencing where, I mean, I had no idea what it was. Thank, thankfully, Christy did and, and, like, let us know about it. But I wouldn't have known what what that was and that it was used to, you know, before surgery. So it's not like a – I don't know that it's a commonly 
like a something that somebody would commonly know. So it, it it does seem to point to like, well, why pick that drug? So uh, hopefully they'll follow up at some point. I don't think they will, but that would be something that I would be interested to know about. And hopefully Lena has like her kidney still. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully she's got all the necessary organs. Uh, well, Daryl wrote in to say, quote, there's literally no context for that Leroy Jenkins call out. I wouldn't have had any idea what that meant if I hadn't seen a video on Facebook by pure coincidence with that in it, unquote. I also thought I had heard Leroy Jenkins before, and I had to go look it up because I didn't really understand what it meant either. Yeah, it was that was kind of a that was kind of a deep cut. Now. I definitely knew that one because it's it's a, a like a, a meme joke that my friends and I reference all the time when we're like Leroy Jenkins, but uh, it's and I think it's fairly well known on the internet. But like, if you're not if you're not on the internet constantly, if you're not from the internet like I am, I can't imagine you're like wait what? And also having gone back to remember the history about that. Because I'd sort of had some something in that in my brain, but I went back to kind of was like, how how do I know this? And the idea, correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan, is that Leroy Jenkins was this character in a video game who goes into battle when he's not supposed to. He kind of prematurely goes in. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's there. It's like a whole guild playing World of Warcraft, and they're all sitting around like having a discussion about like okay you're gonna do that and you're gonna do that <laughs> and it's like it goes on and on it's like okay and now we're gonna do that and we're gonna do that and suddenly this random guy in the guild was like just like forget about it and then he just yells out presumably his own name <laughs> Leroy Jenkins and runs right into the battle and like immediately dies <laughs> it is incredible especially because I don't play World of Warcraft I have like no like I have no knowledge of it so to hear how like involved people get where they're like okay here's the strategy and he's like forget about it i rush in <laughs> i don't know that it works in the situation because he seemed like he did pretty well for himself uh for himself and and the the whole i think the whole crux of the leroy jenkins is you run in unprepared and immediately get wiped out yeah that's what that's what i was thinking too is like i i get that they want to uh have that sort of pulp pop culture moment in the Supergirl episode, but it's not actually technically used correctly because Brainy Brainy intentionally goes out there on his own because he's the only person who can do that. So it's not like he did it without uh, any... He, he, he had preparation going into it, and his whole mission was to go out there and be a distraction for the Lexosuits. So it didn't really, it wasn't used in the same manner. Uh, but I appreciate the shout out, I guess. It made me laugh. I was like, I don't know that this like works or <laughs> is a logical reference for this show, but I got a giggle out of it. Yeah. Um. So new Rachel asks, this might be more of a legal question. Oh boy. So shouldn't be posed to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how good is Brainy's cover story as a human? We know Lex is aware that he's an alien and that he uses his real last name while working for the DEO. But I'm just wondering how someone from the future could become an agent of the 21st century government, eventually leading a government agent 
agency when officially he's only existed as a citizen of the U.S. for less than two years. Wouldn't someone question that? What kind of meetings has he had with Pam from HR? Uh, and then uh, Rachel goes on to say, then again, we also had Megan's Brainy as a DEO director. And on Legends, we had clone from the future, Ava Sharp, as director of the Time Bureau. So I guess that isn't so unrealistic, but I'm still wondering about it nonetheless. Uh, I think uh, we should put out a call to our Supergirl Radio legal consultants and uh, just give us their take on how this would work because i guess it falls under the uh the executive order the alien amnesty act is that <laughs> is that part of I it mean, yeah they did did they overturn that at some point you know using <sighs> congress or whatever <laughs> they, i don't <laughs> i think i think at one point there was talk of repealing it which is not again not something that it, congress not can do they, yeah but then I think they reinstated. Did they, use some, did they use some Congress magic to like repeal that at some point? I don't. Is that even a, the same on Earth Prime? Did they even have an alien amnesty? Okay, this is this is getting too I, much. I, so and and now we're we're uh, here. We are in this uh, post crisis post Amade world. Was there even ever an alien amnesty act? Was was there any? Was there even an Agent Liberty situation? I get. I guess. I don't know. What if we could use Crisis <laughs> to just wipe the Agent Liberty storyline from our <laughs> I would actually be okay with that. We go back, we take it all away. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna go with that in my my head canon. <laughs> Uh, well, Fanny wrote in to say, quote, this season I have noticed how often Supergirl's powers are shown. I think that was really missing these last couple of seasons. Instead of being the one in need of saving, she's the one doing the saving while also showing how powerful she really is. In this week's episode, she took out flying monkeys, uh, not for the first time, though, in an amazing scene with great camera angles. She also protected DEO agents from laser blasts. Uh, my favorite, though, was what I call the super clap when Supergirl uh, took out flying monkeys. When we saw, uh, we saw Supergirl use the super clap for the first time at Barry and Iris' wedding. What do you think about Supergirl's powers this season? And do you have a favorite one or a favorite scene where we see her use her powers? Unquote. Uh, so we talked about this a little in the previous episode of Supergirl Radio about how some of her powers seem to be conveniently downplayed when she could just bust a, you know, a robot and she doesn't for some reason. Oh, yeah. I was I was super I was so happy this episode when she had basically like the powers that she should have in like the super like being able to use the super clap was really awesome. And some of the other stuff that she did this episode, a lot of like laser blasty things. And it, it felt like she had the powers that she should have this episode The for the rest of the season. I, I think that her powers seem to be inconsistently deployed. And I don't even think she's even really been able to. I was trying to, like, I went back into my notes and my Google Docs, uh, my Google Doc notes to see if there was anything in there that I notated Supergirl did this. Or I thought this was, because sometimes I'll put in my notes, like, man, that shot of Supergirl doing that thing was awesome. Uh, sometimes I put that in my notes. It doesn't really matter to anybody else, but I sometimes will put that in there. And there was nothing really 
that stood out to me. I think there's a shot in uh, one of the episodes where she's fighting Rama Khan in the Fortress of Solitude. She gets kind of thrown around like a rag doll, but then she has one moment where she uses her super breath and she has a couple little quippy one-liners where she says something to him and uses her super breath to sort of hold him down. That I thought was cool. Uh, she fights a dinosaur in the premiere, but even in that fight, she loses that fight. She doesn't really get to do anything cool. She's just there when a dinosaur is in the scene. Uh, so maybe this episode this week was probably the best and coolest use of her powers with the, the super clap. Um, when it was mentioned in this email, I had to go back and look at it because I, I don't know how I missed it the first couple of times I watched it, but it is cool the way she does it. It's like sort of in slow motion. I like the uh, the shot. So I think it's probably the the best yet that we've seen from Supergirl this season. Yeah, I think that this was an episode, like I've been complaining about it a little bit this season about how weird and inconsistent her powers have been. And this one, I had no complaints. I, I thought that there was... A lot of cool Supergirl action. She seemed like she like, was using her powers in a way that made sense to me and was actually really super useful. It didn't seem like they depowered her just so that she could, um, you know, she wasn't basically handily winning a fight. I thought that she did a, a really good job. And even when she was fighting like the Lexo suits and not, you know, not winning, it made sense because those things have kryptonite in them. Uh, so Danae wrote in to say, I'm glad that William and Kara are not going to be a thing, at least for now. I just really need there to be buildup. So I'm happy that the writers bought themselves some time with having Kara reject him. I think one of the most annoying things with Wynn trying to push this relationship, which I didn't like because I don't want to be annoyed with Wynn. I guess the first thing to me is that Wynn is from the future. So he presumably knows that either Kara and William ended up together or... Or never became an item. And in either situation, I would like Kara to figure that out on her own. And the other thing that I didn't like was Wynn telling Kara how much chemistry they had during karaoke. It reminded me of the season three scene in which Kara and Sam were telling Lena that her chemistry with James <laughs> was off the charts. While Lena was looking at James as if he was a brick wall or something. <laughs> it's a classic tale of, uh, of it's a classic tale of show don't tell. If Kara and William have chemistry, I will see it. If they don't have it don't try to trick me into thinking they do by having other people say it um i actually completely agree with that i think to me the most chunky writing is when you have a character tell the audience what they should be thinking or feeling you're like oh you two are hot like fire and i'm <laughs> like i they look uh, i don't think that's true actually <laughs> like just just let us come to that conclusion on our own well i do think uh to be fair i think it was backed up a little bit with the karaoke scene because i did think that they were cute together i thought it was it was funny the way like you know uh William was singing and then he he sort of like suggests to Kara you know act this out and she does the the wolf howling I thought all of that was adorable uh sue me if you disagree but I kind of was into it there and I I thought that it was really interesting that the lyrics that they had uh them sing to each other during the I bless the rains down in Africa that stuff. <laughs> um there's a there's a lyric that they sing saying it's going to take a lot to drive me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. 
I thought, as somebody who is a uh, a super um, old fashioned romantic, I'm pointing to myself, I thought that could be a really good setup of foreshadowing of something happening where William is maybe taken by Leviathan. Something happens where he's put in danger and something where he gets literally dragged away from Kara. I thought that might actually be a good use of foreshadowing. I don't, I don't have any inclination that that's actually foreshadowing. They're actually going to do anything with it. But if it was me, I would have that be foreshadowing of something that's going to happen to Kara and William that will separate them. Um, so I thought that whole scene, I thought that actually did back up what Wynn was saying later on because I was impressed the fact that they did have some harmony together and Kara seemed to enjoy that. Kara seemed to uh, think that that was fun and that he made her smile. And I guess I'm a sucker. If somebody makes Kara smile, I'm on board with it uh, because I do ship Kara and happiness and Kara smiling means she's happy. So I'm into it. So I... I think there's a fair criticism of, of, you know, wanting to show, not tell. But I think they did a fair job of showing in this episode. So that, that was just my take on it. Uh, well, we received an Instagram message from at MedvedZinia who wrote, quote, My episode thoughts are, uh, actually, I guess there's a question that gets started from at MedvedZinia. Um who asks, why throughout the history of the show does Kara always have to be pushed and convinced to date? Alex pushed Kara to date the guy in the pilot and James, uh, in the pilot and James. Kara, uh, Kat pushed Kara to date her son. The super friends pushed Kara to date Monel, And now Wynn is pushing Kara to date William. Every time Kara is like, I don't know if I want to, and they all try to convince her to. It seems like Kara only dates guys when she feels sorry for them, feels obligated feels she can't be single, and to please Alex and her friends. I want Cara to date someone because she wants to and when it's fully her decision. Uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts on this? That's interesting. I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair criticism. I, I think that it's maybe, but I think it's more of the, um, it's more of the show don't tell thing where the, I feel like the, the writing doesn't trust the audience to get to to get like the relationship to get where they want the audience to be with the relationship so they think that if they have the characters the other characters in the show cheerlead whatever relationship it is and tell Cara to like go for it that um that it'll make the audience like maybe more invested in the relationship but it does kind of instead uh, you know to I can see to some people it would just seem like Cara is continuously like kind of pushed into these relationships by her friends who were like, go, go date. Yeah. And I think that's easily fixed by just having maybe a couple of scenes or a couple of episodes where we get to hear about it from Kara's perspective. I think that's what they've been lacking. It wasn't really until this epi episode that they actually had Kara voice her feelings on the matter. Like, I don't know, maybe I do like him. I don't know. Like that stuff should have been happening so much earlier, um, in my opinion. So I, I think it is a valid criticism. I, I think they're doing a little bit better of it now, but I think it might be one of those a little too late uh, situations where maybe they should have been doing it previously. 
Well, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio, your boy Mauricio here for another review. I love it so much. It's that Leviathan and this post-crisis war thing's on the top, and Lex is just totally using them. I can't wait for them to, like, uh, I forget the English word for it, but, like, be shocked when they forget, oh, we got used instead. But other than that, it was a great episode. I am, I'm going to miss Jeremy Wynn a lot. He's been, like, one of the reasons why I watched the show in the beginning, and I can't wait to see him in a future episode if he comes back. Other than that, yeah, just um, it's a good episode. My only question is um, – actually, no questions. Actually, yeah, everything was good. I liked it. You guys have a nice day. Adios. And Mauricio mentions that he enjoyed seeing Wynn back and uh, will miss him now that he's gone back to the future. And uh, it makes me wonder if – this bad version of toy man could ever show back up uh i know that he um bad win i guess if we're going to refer to him uh Mm -hmm. it did seem like he was deleted but it sort of makes me uh disappointed that he's been deleted now because now there's a superman and lois show not only could he be gone from supergirl he would also be gone from the use in the superman show and it seems like he would want a toy man to stick around for a Superman TV show. Yeah, I agree. So uh, it's a little disappointing that uh, maybe he won't be able to come back for that. This is at Kara underscore Quirrell, and it's time for the Legion Minute. This week, I will cover the three Legionnaires that Wynn mentioned on his brief return to the 21st century. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Chemical King and the Rand siblings. So I will likely run a bit more than a minute. Chemical King, whose real name is Kondo Arlick, was a later addition to the Silver Age Legion. He first appeared in 1968 and was created by Jim Shooter and Kurt Swan. Jim Shooter was 16 years old at the time, and he had already been writing for DC Comics for two years. What were you doing at 16? (laughs) Wynn mentioned Chemical King has powers for chemicals. Specifically, his power is being a catalyst for chemical reactions. He has the ability to slow them down or speed them up. Now, power like this can get you some really amazing nerdy adventures, but it requires some very clever thinking to write. And as a result, Chemical King has not been featured much since his noble sacrifice for the sake of the Legion in 1977. His most notable appearance, however, came nearly a decade after his death in 1986, with Secret Origins number 47. It's a story titled The Unique Properties of Kondo Arlick. This story chronicled Kondo's relationship with Lyle Norg, who was the first Invisible Kid, uh, and he was a legionnaire whose powers came from his own chemistry knowledge. The story followed the pair from Lyle helping Kondo to control his powers through each of their deaths. Though not overtly implying a romance, the comic did show a deep love and has led to the two often being written romantically, first in fan works and later in the post-zero hour version of the Legion where uh, Lyle and Kondo were shown to be long d- in a long-distance relationship. The other big mentions of the last two episodes were the Rans twins, Garth and Ayla or Isla, of Winath, Lightning Lad and Lightning Lass. On Winath, or sometimes Wynath, uh, twins are the norm, and single births are very rare. Uh, Garth and Ayla got their lightning powers from an encounter with a lightning beast on the planet Korbal. 
It was a Silver Age, guys. Just go with it. Garth was the, one of the founding members of the Legion of Superheroes uh, and is usually paired with Imra Ardeen, a.k.a. Saturn Girl. Uh, when the two had children in the 80s, it was Garth who stayed home with the kids while Imra returned to work, which at the time was quite revolutionary. Garth is also important for being one of the first semi-permanent deaths in comics. Uh, it lasted for quite a while, although he did eventually come back. It was Lightning Lad's death that led to the introduction of Ayla, who first joined the Legion disguised as her brother, reminiscent of Viola in Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. She is found out, though, and is then accepted as herself. Later, when her brother is resurrected, and that's a whole nother podcast, Dream Girl, Nuranal, transforms her into Light Lass, with the ability to reduce the weight of an object. Basically, this is the opposite of Starboy's power. She can make things float rather than making them super heavy. But that didn't last very long. People wanted her back as Lightning Lass. Uh, the other keynote is that Ayla is explicitly bisexual. Originally, she was paired romantically with Timberwolf, but the two broke up. And in the late 80s, Ayla began a relationship with Salu Digby, a.k.a. Shrinking Violet. That was one of the first lesbian relationships in comics. Uh, and also one of the first uh, gay relationships in comics. If you want to read more, I suggest checking out Secret Origins number 47, The Unique Properties of Kondo Arlick, and Teenagers from the Future, a book of essays on the Legion edited by Tim Callahan, where you'll find articles both on Ayla and Vi and on uh, the death of Lightning Lad. That's all the time we have for the Legion Minutes. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as Eckhar underscore Quarrel. Also make sure to catch me on at Swamp Thing Radio. Before we wrap up our feedback, we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. First snap judgment from Anna. What intrigues you more that Kara practically can't think or talk about anything, anyone, or especially any possible romantic scenario without bringing up Lena or that Kara uh, wondering about whether things could have turned out differently with Lena, a question that is apparently so important to her, the one and only all powerful, oh, Anna, why? Mizix Fidelic <laughs> uh, felt the need to show up on her doorstep. So, a long one from Anna, but not a painful one. So we are taking <laughs> steps forward. <laughs> is it is it more intriguing that Kara is is considering Lena when considering her dating options, or that she the Lena question is so powerful and important that it it makes Ms. Mixie show up? So I don't think it's as weird as some people are making this comparison out because she Kara did and I'm going to try not to be long-winded about this because we don't really have to explain ourselves with snap judgments but Lena the situation with Lena is uh in relation to her secret identity and having a relationship of hers doesn't matter if it's romantic or not bust up so in terms of this snap judgment I don't think that's intriguing intriguing as much as I think it makes sense and I understand it. So I guess I'm going to go that uh, 
I guess my option is that Kara, wondering about whether things could have turned out differently, with Lena, a question that is apparently so important to her, the one and only all-powerful Mixtius Pedalik, felt the need to show up on her doorstep. That's the one I'm going with. Yeah, I, I will go with that one as well. Uh, because I think it's going to be exciting. I th- I'm excited for the 100th episode. So anything that ties into that is pretty awesome. Okay. Gender aside for a moment, would you rather have Cara date an attractive, brilliant billionaire who is her best friend or a sketchy reporter who initially treated her badly as part of their undercover disguise? Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to read anything into this question, but I do feel like you, Anna, have a perspective on this. (laughs) Yeah, it might be a little bit of a skewed perspective um, (laughs) because I don't think William is a sketchy reporter i think he was just a reporter who went undercover so i think that's that's being a little unfair to william i have to say also to be fair to william do we know that he was mean to her when they first got when they first started working together anymore in this post-crisis post-omidy oh that's a good point because that was back on earth 38 it sure was hmm so who know who knows if they liked each other or not when they first Dang started it. working together? God, that does oh, change crisis. things. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I'm really starting to really not like crisis. <laughs> um, it's a cool idea, but once once you have to deal with the uh, ramifications of it, it's not as fun anymore. It gets less fun. I guess if I was going on the presumption that, let's say, a sketchy reporter who treats her badly. I mean, I wouldn't want her to be with somebody who treated her badly, but if it was part of an undercover disguise, that's definitely different. And I don't, I mean, I guess I would want her to be with her best friend, but uh, but then I don't know if her best friend treats her well. Does her best friend um, create ro- uh, homicidal robots that want to <laughs> kill her? <laughs> See, this is the question. This is the question. I mean, I'm going to go, obviously, with the uh, best friend billionaire because I quite like Cara and Lena together. So I have no qualms about this. But I I do feel this, to be fair, this question is very skewed. It's like, do you like this other, this one thing that's great or this other thing that'll kill you? (laughs) I mean, I guess out of the two options, because we have to make a a call, I guess just based on the description i think the better option is the attractive brilliant billionaire who is her best friend versus the the one who treats her badly so i guess i would have to go with the best friend option okay so we have a snap judgment from kanisha who says which theory would you rather see happen on the show james and the newsboy legion or William is Comet the Super Horse. At least one snap judgment in every Supergirl radio episode. I think there is like a, a real Sophie's Choice that is just so <laughs> difficult that mm. that really tugs at the heartstrings. Um, th- this I think is that is that snap. <laughs> this is that one for us. Okay, I'm gonna choose. I'm just gonna choose. <laughs> I'm gonna choose just William <laughs> as Comet the Super Horse. Because every time I think of their will they horse he relationship <laughs> or their will, laugh, will they won't nay will they won't nay relationship I I laugh very hard um, and also James has left the show 
And and I can pretend in my mind that the newsboy legion is what he's doing with his time. Yeah, I really think James and the newsboy legion is a great idea. And maybe that's happening in off Screensville. Uh, but I think at this point in the game, I would rather see William as Comet the Superhorse just because I really want Comet on the show. If he does not show up at any point on in Supergirl history, we, what are we even doing? We've wasted our time. So I'm going to go William as Comet the Superhorse. Okay, so uh, Daryl has a couple snap judgments for us. First one, do you think William will figure out Car is Supergirl on his own or will he be told? I think she will tell him. I think she's got to tell him because if you keep telling me that the Luthers are like the smartest people around and then William can figure it out, but <laughs> Lena didn't for years and years, I'm going to start... I'm going to start questioning how smart Lena actually is. Yeah, I think this whole thing is teaching her that she should just tell people. So I think she's going to tell him. Yeah, I think that's that's the lesson that she should take from the the Lena situation. Okay, um, if and when Andrea, uh, Andrea Brooks comes back, should it be as regular or as recurring? I mean, I want her back all the time. So I would say regular. It's been so long since I've done the Hope voice. So regular, obviously. <laughs> Hope, we miss you. Uh, <laughs> see, I've gotten rusty. Uh, so, so we got a, uh, a snap judgment from uh, at picks by Katie McGee, who says flying monkeys or Lexo suits. If we're talking about the flying monkeys in this episode this week, I'm going to go Lexo suits because I didn't think they were as good good looking as they were the first time around the flying monkeys the first time we saw them i thought it looked really cool this week i was like mm, these are a downgrade so i'm gonna go lexo suits yeah i feel like um uh bad sad win just could not uh put together the same quality of monkeys he did not have that budget as dad win yeah so i'm gonna go lexo suits as well uh we got some snap judgments from danae what is your favorite karaoke duet? Africa by Toto or Take On Me by Aha from two years back, sung by Wynn and his mom. Man, there's been a lot of karaoke on this show, hasn't there? Lots of car karaoke. Karaoke. You gotta say it correctly. Um, <laughs> I liked this week's rendition of Africa by Toto. I liked the wolf howling. I thought the improvisational aspect of that was uh, impressive. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I mean, I just love Africa by Toto. It's a it's a hard song to beat, and when you add in some wolf howls, it's I mean by a possible horse. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You can beat that. <laughs> um, who's the best toy man? Wins dad, alternate win or future win? So, um, what, what was it? Bad bad win, sad bad win, win, or dad, dad win? <laughs> Which is the best Toy Man? This is tough because I really like Dadwin as Toy Man. But Jeremy Jordan did such a good job as playing the evil version of Win. I think I'm going to go Badwin. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Badwin as well. He was he was pretty scary. He was pretty, like, out there. Uh, I, I liked seeing Jeremy Jordan get to chew up some scenery. Okay, um, who is the anointed from Leviathan? Eve Tessmacher... Or Lena's mother. I really like that Lena's mother theory. I love that Lena's mother theory. Listen, Eve Tessmacher, 
um, can can st- still be hope. Uh, <laughs> there's still stuff for her to do. Uh, I know I love the Lena's mother theory. That would be really cool, and it would it would connect back to uh, to why we heard so much about her with that you know with the necklace and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got some snap judgments from at Medvedzinia. The first one was. What would be the bigger betrayal? Lena finding out that Kara lied for years about being Supergirl. Or you, Morgan or Rebecca, finding out that the other one is actually a head writer (laughs) on the show and has had creative control of the storylines this whole time and everyone but you has known this and you realize she's been lying to only you. Four years. Oh my gosh, I would be so mad at you. Oh my god, it's it's definitely the second one. If <laughs> I, Rebecca, if you had the power to make snapping happen and you didn't, and then we're just talking to me about why isn't it happening, the betrayal of that. <laughs> I mean, knowing knowing that I love director Bones <laughs> and you intentionally would not have put him in there and and presenting opportunities. For him to be there and not taking them. <laughs> and just snatching them away. I, I, w- I would quit the podcast. I would be like, nope, we're, we're, we're finished here. Friendship over. Yeah. I, would, I would create a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I would be working on my Hope AI like the next day. <laughs> Uh, uh okay and so um the follow-up snap judgment to that is if you did find out the other was secretly a head writer who had been lying to you for years would you become <laughs> passive aggressive like lena or confront them and ask them where jeremiah danvers and hope are <laughs> so this is tied into the previous snap judgment yes okay. yes so would 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 I create my hope robot to destroy the world, or would I ask you uh, what jungle Jeremiah Danvers is <laughs> currently spending his time in? So, would you have more fun being petty like Lena, or would you just straight up be like, "Where are they? What's going on?" I I, I think I, I would I think I would one. do the second one. I don't think I have it in me to be petty like Lena. So I think I would just be upfront about it. I think I aspire to Lena's <laughs> level of pettiness, but I don't think that I could get there in my everyday life. I think that I would crack like pretty fast and be like, why didn't he ever snap? <laughs> um, so, so I think I would also go with the second one because I, ha- I would have so many questions for you about <laughs> uh, about why. And why? <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, if if I had been betraying you about being a, a head writer on the show, I think I would just have to fess up to it. I think I, if I was caught in the betrayal, I think I would just have to own up to it. So I, w- I would answer all of your questions. No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, those were difficult snap <laughs> judgments. Loved every one of them. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Back from the Future Part 2. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio and send us in some uh, bonker snap judgments, you can post a <laughs> comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. Make sure to write and, and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to uh, check us out, you can do on, on, if you'd like to check us out on social media, you can do that on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, just a little note, 
if you like Instagram, uh, we love Instagram. So just be paying attention to our Instagram because things are happening with Supergirl Radio on Instagram. I, I think we're going to start doing more live streaming because uh, that was uh, I tried to do a little bit of that recently. Uh, super fun. Uh, thank you to all the listeners who showed up for that. I think we're going to do some more of those. So just be uh, checking those stories, those Instagram stories and those Instagram live streams because uh, we're probably going to take more advantage of that. Uh, So uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram. You can also listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. There's a, a monkey's song about toys that we put on there. Uh, Africa by <laughs> Toto should be on there. So the playlist is uh, up to date as far as I know. Uh, you can also check us out on Radio Public and Podchaser. We're on DC's fan page at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to the Macho Man for the DC TV plugs. Oh, yeah, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Star Girl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah! Dig it! Um, and I know that some people have asked us about, uh, so we, uh, plotted out a competition for new DCTV uh, podcast plugs. We probably will be holding off on that until the upfronts happen because I think some new podcasts are being added just in case some shows get picked up. (laughs) So we might as well wait until we have all of the shows announced. Uh, So just hang tight for that competition. Uh, in terms of following me personally, you can check me out on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast. You can find that over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. I'm the voice actor for Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And uh, this week, I think I want to plug our, our friend Bill Meeks' new book, Fan Podcasting, The Complete Guide. Because not only do I get quoted and mentioned in it, but uh, maybe Morgan Glennon does as well. Hmm. To download the free fan casting, the free fan podcasting, the complete guide book, uh, which mentions Supergirl Radio and some of our listeners. We talk about the awesome things that our listeners are doing. So if you want to read that, I highly recommend that you do. Go to doanything.media slash fan podcasting. And you can check out that uh, book. I would second that recommendation. Rebecca and I got to read an, an early version of it. And we uh, 
on a Google Doc, of course. So (laughs) Rebecca got in there first, and then I just started, like, leaving comments to her comments. Like, we were just having a conversation within the Google Doc. I'm sure that was exciting for Bill to get. (laughs) He's like, oh, my God, stop talking to each other. But uh, (laughs) it's, it's it's a really cool guide if you've ever thought about starting your own fan uh, fan podcast and you know what goes into it and what should you think about when you're getting started I think this is like a, a really cool guide that would be really helpful and I think there's a lot of like interesting stuff in there even if you're maybe just a, a fan of podcasts and you kind of want to know what goes into uh to making it and what the thought process is um so you can also find me on twitter and instagram I'm at mojotastic and also as a co-host on the legends of tomorrow podcast so if you're watching that show or if you're don't if you don't uh, you don't definitely to. check out the podcast i mean i i gotta be honest we're stepping up our game this season <laughs> because we are We are doing what I would call the bare amount of Wikipedia research Uh, this season. We've decided, like, what if we read half a Wikipedia entry about the time period or, or like, the historical figure and just gave those highlights um, that we can kind of half remember. And so that's what we're bringing to the podcast this season. (laughs) Love it. Love it. We're showing initiative. One of the episodes we found, like, a list of, it was, like, nine facts about Bugsy Siegel and we read like we just read the high like the the subheads <laughs> of the nine facts we were like he he lived in LA cool next fact <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more than uh some people might know you get the, the quick cliff notes version on on things now all right well that sounds uh, awesome uh but i think it's going to do it for uh this episode of supergirl radio on back from the future part two so until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and remember that sometimes people can surprise us yeah.